Hello and welcome to a fresh episode of the Future of Internal Communication podcast. I'm Kat Barnard and as ever I'm joined by my brilliant co-host Jen Sproul and Dominic Walters. And today we're going to be talking about confidence and resilience within the field of internal communication. We've got a fabulous guest with us today, Claire Dale of the Physical Intelligence Institute. Um, I was introduced to Claire, I think a couple of years ago now, um, a mutual colleague um, passed me a copy of her brilliant book called uh, Physical Intelligence. And Claire is a movement specialist and um, she coaches, trains and consults to help individuals, teams and organisations achieve peak performance using physical intelligence. So I am not going to be able to do it justice. Claire, welcome. Tell us a little bit more about physical intelligence. Well, thank you, Kat, Kat and, um, and Jen and Dom for inviting me onto this amazing podcast that you've got going here. Uh, Physical intelligence really is about understanding how a human being works underneath the skin. And particularly in the area of our inner chemistry. So the way we define physical intelligence is the active management of our physiology, our inner chemistry, to enable us to achieve more, do what we do with less stress, and to live and work as best as we can with our highest performance and more happily. And the thing about physical intelligence is that um, there are hundreds of chemicals racing through our bodies and brains at any one time, all right? And those that chemistry largely dictates how we think, how we feel, how we speak, and how we behave. And most of us, just because we haven't got the knowledge and the practice to really work with our bodies, um, most of us are operating at the mercy of that chemistry, you know, without realizing that we can strategically influence it by using things like our breathing pattern, hacks directly into our chemistry and changes the way we think, feel, speak and behave. Um, Specific movement patterns. And we're all trying to get a diet of movement into our lives. We have been over the last 20 months, I think, as as most uh, many people have been working from home and therefore moving less as a general rule. So that's been a big question for everybody. So breathing patterns, movement uh, sequences, Uh, Visualizations, this is another way to hack into our chemistry, particularly around change and creativity. And um, uh, ways of interacting with people, ways of developing our relationships. This changes the chemistry, not only in ourselves, but the chemistry that's going uh, between people as well. So we have a a lot more at our disposal uh, in the inner chemistry of our body in this, with this amazing technology that is our body than we realise. And, and oh. yeah, finally to say, I mean, it's really easy to be in rather a loveless marriage with our bodies, isn't it? Uh, because they, they do tend to, sometimes we get aches and pains and sometimes we sleep well, sometimes we don't. Sometimes, you know, we manage to sort of get ourselves that run around or wheel around. 
and uh, and the maintenance you know sometimes we're in good patterns of maintenance sometimes things are happening and it changes and shifts what we do with our bodies and so you know the, the thing is we can't get a divorce from our bodies we are it's a marriage for life so we really really our big project for the world at the physical intelligence institute and also with the mother company companies in motion is to educate and help people all over the world that we do through our book um, to be able to strategically manage their the inner world the physiology to a, a far greater level I think that's really, really interesting, Claire. Thank you for that brilliant um, sort of synopsis. I think, you know, I sometimes wonder how many of us, you know, we get caught up in, in, in the daily cut and thrust of life. And I wonder how many of us really understand the extent to which our responses to situations and circumstances are driven by these neurochemical reactions that you describe. And, you know, I think it's a probably fair understatement to say that in the 2020s, you know, our work contexts are subject to continuous change, not least, obviously, the impact of multiple lockdowns and work from home wherever possible mandates. Um, the economy, the wider economy seems to be in a state of flux. Um, and we're all needing to discover new ways of of working but also new opportunities for our own field of expertise never more so in the field of internal communication at the moment so I have a question for you which is what can be the impact of continuous change on our bodies if we don't know how to handle continuous change mm. that's a a really great question to ask and absolutely to the point of where we need to be today, what we need to be thinking about, what we need to be doing. Um, so some people love change, thrive on it, like the uncertainty, love novelty. And in fact, all human beings, when they feel safe and secure, really need a degree of novelty and variety. But what happens when it feels like there's too much change or in some way we're, we're not liking the change around us, then we go into a threat response. Our system goes into a state where we feel that this is not okay and we're not safe. And what happens is a level that our, our hormone, um, which is responsible for our feelings of stress and threat, uh, cortisol rises in our system and that drags down certain other key chemicals that make us feel okay, happy, um, vital, plenty of energy. And when cortisol comes along, um, and we all know what this feels, you know, this is what where you get that sort of squeeze in your gut of anxiety or a sense of fluttering anxiety in your breath pattern or just thoughts whirring around your mind that show you and are telling you that you're unsettled but with a lack of technique to be able to settle yourselves there there isn't that capacity to broaden the scope to, to cope with change now 
there are many, many things that one can do to bring cortisol levels down and what you want to bring them to optimal, right? We need cortisol. It wakes us up in the morning. It's not a terrible, bad thing. It gets us into action. And, um, but we, you know, we, what we don't want it to do is to be around for a long time or extreme, you know, create extreme tension in our bodies. It's responsible for a lot of muscular tension that we feel. Um, and we don't want it to drag down testosterone, which is for our risk tolerance and our confidence. So in the industry that um, many listeners are in, you know, internal communications, having to deal and influence strategically at a level um, that maybe you haven't before because the context is changing for everybody, then that requires testosterone, risk tolerance to be able to speak out. Um, and then other chemicals like oxytocin, which is our social bonding and trust chemical. So whilst you've got confidence and risk tolerance, you don't want to behave in a way that pushes people away. You want to be able to create trust and social bonds as you go. And that comes from oxytocin. And there are various ways of releasing that. And then there's dopamine, reward, pleasure, motivation, novelty, and serotonin, which we all know is responsible for our mental health, has a big part, plays a big part in our mental health, but also on our sense of self-esteem and status and, you know, how much value we bring to the world. So that's chemically what's happening when we either get a few days of stress or a few weeks of stress or a few months of stress because stress because there's too much change too much change happening for us in the way that we are right there so what can we do well i think a couple of things are important one is that we don't really have uh, spend enough enough time getting ourselves into a place of stillness and being able to stop ourselves from whirring around and flip ourselves into what we call more coherent thinking. Um, and there are ways of doing that. And we can practice that today if you like. It's a centering exercise called balance, breathe, focus. So we can do that if you like. And the other thing is our, our mindset. Like, who are we as human beings? Well, we were actually built for change. Right? We've been evolved, we evolved by changing. And, and in fact, really what we've gone into, and we went into it really quickly over the last 20 months, was a neural pathway of working from home, of supporting our local community more because we didn't travel as much, of finding our ways to fitness when we were cooped up in, inside a little bit more, or if we're out working, you know, taking care of ourselves. So we went into a, a different set of, of um, a neurological responses. And we did that really fast. And we were very pleased with ourselves, weren't we? <laughs> that we were able to change and adapt so fast. So the thing is, even though it feels as though things might be overwhelming as we go back to normal or all restrictions are gonna, are gonna come down all of a sudden, it's important to know that we were actually built for change and we can make this transition again and we will again in our lives so it's just about knowing that we can create new neural pathways that they will come in even if we're in to begin with not enjoying certain aspects of it we will find a way that's what we were built for so hopefully that inspires people a little bit that's um 
that answer really includes aspects of confidence and aspects of resilience because this adaptability to change is, of course, um, very strongly connected with our resilience. So fascinating, Claire. And there's so much. And, you know, and I'm just, as you're talking, I was just jotting down all, all those chemicals and what, what, what impact those chemicals are, because I think being able to understand all of that really is quite, quite interesting. And I think that, that, as you say, there is so much continuous change and we're built for it and we're going through it and we know all this. And, and I guess, I guess my question or my, my reflection, I think is, where we are right now, we created, as you say, this kind of neurological pathway that we've now adapted and we're now leaning into. We're still really aware that we need to work on particularly our physical health sometimes because it, when you become, depending on your role, quite sedentary, it's, it's, you have to have that will and that want, I think. And obviously, a lot of our listeners, we are dealing with change in our roles, trying to evoke change in our organizations. We're trying to get our leaders or our peoples to bend and to flex with us or to see the new future or whatever. But I wonder sometimes with where we are now, if, if we are struggling with some level of exhaustion or resistance to creating this new neurological pathway that we can get through again. So I think, you know, how do we right now manage that sense of new continuous change for ourselves as human beings, as valuable human beings, but also within our organizations? How can we become better at dealing with that and enable ourselves to feel that shackle of freedom to change again and to be okay to change again? Because I wonder if we become fearful or a bit stuck in this current neurological pathway. Absolutely. So dealing with resistance to change, how do we get unstuck? And one of the ways is to, you know, get a bit inspired by the fact that, that we are brilliant as humans, as I was saying in, in, in when I was speaking just before about that. So, so hopefully that's, that's added a little bit of inspiration and you should feel, a even as you think that way, you should feel a little bit lighter in the body. Oh, it's okay. That's the way we're we're made. Um, and there is uh, a sense in which, and, and the way that we define resilience is um, the ability to to bounce back, to learn, to develop, to uh, to let go of the past, and to be able to sort of lighten the load by letting go of the past. And that, of course, is a, is a chemical journey. Um, so actually, before we go into like more of an answer to that question, and we'll talk about emotional, mental and physical fitness, to outline really the way that the physical intelligence curriculum is structured so that people can go maybe get the book and have a look at each of the, the there are four elements that are really important. And when people talk about resilience in general, they're tending to lump a whole lot of things together. So it becomes quite difficult to decipher what to do for your resilience because um, the, 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 we need a, some preceding elements and we need to work on them. So first of all is strength, which is our risk tolerance and confidence. And 
you know, the great way to build your strength is to um, is to learn to to measure your breath pattern and to really ground yourself physically every single day, every time you feel scared or anxious or that it's not going to happen or I can't do this, is to ground yourself because this is what makes us feel balanced. This is what tells ourselves that we, we, are, we can be confident and risk tolerant. So strength. The next one is flexibility. And that is our, is our ability to, to adapt, um, to create great relationships as we go along, to um, be able to, you know, release tension, yeah? Release tension in our bodies and let our, let our minds um, and bodies and emotions start to feel like they can move and change and creating a diet of movement for yourself. Um, so if you're not moving, you'll become more fixed and uh, therefore your resilience will start to lower. So strength, flexibility, and then resilience really is built on those two and is about our bounce back. It's about the way that we can learn and evolve. Um, and then when we get to endurance, that's more about applying those, building on those th three elements and being able to create a plan, um, you know, like you would put a diet together. We need, you need, we need to plan in elements that support our longevity and our vitality and our stamina towards goals that really matter to us. If we haven't done the work on strength and flexibility and resilience, it's like trying to, you know, then someone says, well, what's your goal? And you say, well, I'm trying to transform X, Y, and Z. And, and actually it's trying to force, it's like trying to force yourself into, um, uh, through a small doorway. Whereas when we talk about goals and purpose, they, they need to be built on a system that has space, a mind that's open, and then it's something that you can really work towards. So actually, I thought what we could do is, is do you, would you like to do a little balance, breathe, focus exercise? Absolutely. To really get our, our strength and bounce back to resilience a little bit. So here's what I do every, every moment that I feel I'm spinning off into some unhelpful thought patterns or emotionally I'm starting to feel anxious. Um either because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm influencing in, in quite a, you know, a, what, what, I, what my brain has as a very important um, environment, or I must do well, there's performance pressure. Um, anything that makes us anxious. And this is a way of stopping and regrounding. And it's, it's called, it's, it's our centering exercise. Many people will know about centering. But the first thing to do, wherever you are right now listening, is to get your feet on the ground so that you feel balanced. Or if you're seated, you might be, you're very, very probably doing this seated. Just instead of putting the weight from one side to onto one side more than the other or forward and back more, see if you can find us what feels like a, a balanced place. So your weight is balanced over your supports. Without having to brace or, you know, contract or with some parts of the body contracted, some parts uh, tense. So see if you can find that balance. And I'm guessing that even in just doing that, there's a sort of sense, okay, all right, I can breathe better now. So the second phase 
the second stage rather is to uh, breathe into the center of your body. So just allow your, your breath to drop into your body and to, yeah, move in the abdomen rather than high in the chest. Quick way to do this is put a hand on your chest and one hand on your abdomen and just check out that the lower hand, the hand on your abdomen near where your tummy button is, is moving with the breath and that the hand on the chest is fairly still. There's some movement there, particularly on the bigger breaths. And then the third stage is to uh, focus. So it's balance, breathe to the center of your body and then focus, which means bringing your attention to the front of the mind so like as if you've got a, a space, a big room in the front of your brain and let all the noise that might be going on in the rest of the brain, let it, let it fall away. Just imagine just letting that, letting it recede, pushing it away, letting it fall away, whatever image works for you. And as you breathe and as you feel balanced on your feet, just let that, that, space open up in your mind so you start to become able to be more conscious and observe what your inner state is and then from that place of focus you might very well just ask yourself okay so what's happening here what emotions am I feeling What's the best use of my self in the next half an hour, in the next hour, through the next day? And those are the that's the foundation. I mean, that kind of you know, is, is in our in the book. You know, there's over twenty techniques. There's there's hundreds of techniques in the whole curriculum. Um. But that is, a, that is a, a real, that's an example of a real uh, foundation for your resilience mm. because you can't, you can't create resilience unless you're, unless you're, you've mm. steadied, you know, your, yourself um, at, a, at, a, at a fairly deep level. I think it struck me as, yeah, and what struck me about this actually is the, the, the centering. It's quite because actually as I did it, I didn't you don't realise how much you sit to a side or where you lean or where you're wrong or you're not doing all those things. I find that that quite kind of when you sit there and you actually really look at it and you're sort of you let that all go, it kind of goes, Oh, okay, I can calm, I can handle this situation. This isn't this isn't quite as bad. So that was brilliant. Thank you, Claire. Yeah. Claire, can I ask you a bit? More about resilience, please, because um, you've, you've talked about it being the result of strength and flexibility and endurance. But I guess lots of internal communicators, particularly over the last 20 months or so, will have heard leaders talk about we must build resilience. And in my experience, very few of them have actually thought about what that looks like. So either they've sort of guessed it's about being tough or it's about being intellectually robust. But I haven't really come across uh, a... a an agreed definition of what resilience, particularly in, in organisations, looks like and why it's so important to business. 
Uh, intellectually, I think it probably is. I know it is. But um, it'd be great if you could help us as internal communicators define it and, and perhaps also think about how we make the case for resilience to leaders who may have other priorities that don't necessarily always see the, the benefit of it. Yeah, so um, when it comes to business, it's a very a very important term. And as you say, very uh, sort of much used and maybe not so clearly uh, um, understood or defined. Uh, we've already talked about change and uncertainty. And um, so, so part of a resilient organisation is um, having leaders who can talk about um, about change in a way that enables people to uh, move towards change. It creates trust and purpose um, rather than talking about change while everybody is in a threat response with cortisol levels too high and not really able to act within the dynamic system of the organisation to communicate well, to, to, to share the load and contribute together. So what happens uh, in a non-resilient organisation is that the, the that people close down and focus on their own agendas and cease to be uh, learning together. And that's the real critical thing about change is that cortisol levels too high, we focus in, we get uh, stressed and tense, or we lash out yeah, uh, um, in with fear or that turns into to frustration to, to people around us or we we try to be very polite but we're actually frustrated inside because the change isn't delivering for us what we wanted or we don't know how to handle it um, and what we need to do is really to to start to work with with oxytocin um, and that particular chemical is a, is key to creating a real change uh, a, 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 an organization that's resilient to change um, so the thing, the, the thing about oxytocin is that there is some amazing research done by a guy called Paul Zak, and he is a neuroeconomist, and he's measured oxytocin levels in the bloodstreams of hundreds and thousands of people um, all over the world in organisations small and large, and has identified that when people um, uh, when people have feel that there is this, where there's trust and purpose in an organisation and their oxytocin levels are higher, there are incredible gains in terms of productivity, commercial success, uh, fewer cases of burnout, um, uh, engagement levels, uh, higher sick days down, all the things that as, uh, you know, internal comms, communicating and working closely with HR professionals, all the things that we want to see happening in an organisation as a result of our, our actions. And... Um, so the leadership behaviours that help to create that actually really helpfully um, are linked to the word oxytocin. And some of them we'll know and recognise, but very often we need to sort of really help our leaders speak and um, speak and behave in these ways. So oxytocin, let me try, see if I can try and remember them. Um, so, so first of all, um, oxytocin, the first O is ovation. Uh, so publicly acknowledging the successes where they're occurring, um, encouraging and, uh, and and boosting the morale, you know, in, a, in, in a, the sense of uh, really naming achievements um, and ovation, publicly boosting morale. 
Um, expectations. So, so the X uh, we've put with um, sort of little Lily and a big X. So expectations. Do people know really what they that is expected of them? Are we being clear? Um, and very often change, it's so easy for it to be so fast that, you know, s slowing things down for a moment to get really clear about expectations is, is so important. And that builds trust and purpose and raises oxytocin levels. Um, the next two are the Y and the T. So yielding, yielding to what people need. And actually, it's interesting right now, isn't it, within the, the great resignation, as, we, as we're calling it, with people sort of leaving their jobs because they're not that they're, they're fearful they're not going to get the same or they're not getting the same kind of flexibility as they've experienced whilst they've during the pandemic where they've had more autonomy and more flexibility um so this idea of yielding really listening to what people need and being prepared to work with that um and then transfer of autonomy again the great resignation a lot of people feeling liking the autonomy that they had and fearing that we'll, that it will go away in um, as we go, whatever back to normal really means. It's probably not going to be as we once knew it. Um, so I'll, I'll speed through the others, but openness. So how does a leader who's holding certain very many difficult things that are going on in the background, how do they come and speak and be open with people around them? And how are they managing to be open, um, have open direct conversation where there are difficult areas at work um, this is so important for, for resilience um, caring is the c self-explanatory finding the heart you know collect really connecting with everybody's values and why we're doing this and caring about people's experience um, and then investing is the i investing in people uh, and so, you know, giving people opportunities to grow and develop. And then um, the final N is a one I really love, which is naturalness. And I think there's a naturalness about saying this, this could, you know, I'm feeling it. We're all feeling it. This could, this could look very fearful. This, the, the, the targets that we've got, the delivery that, need, that we need, this could, this could scare us. But let's talk together about how, we can do this. And let's, you know, as internal comms specialists, let's look at the language. Let's help people express themselves. Let's create a dialogue. So naturalness. I love that work. I mean, I think it's probably, oxytocin is probably the, the most important resilience chemical. And as you counterbalance it with, with um, cortisol, you'll realize that, that cortisol rises when we feel isolated and cortisol lowers and oxytocin rises when we feel like we're part of a tribe a group we have common purpose and we're trusted we belong claire i love that thank you very much and it also shows that as internal communicators uh, to, to bend your words slightly but i guess we are purveyors or guardians of organizational oxytocin it's a corporate resource and, and we need to help leaders to, to maximise it. And I love that way of putting it. That's that's spot on. That's exactly right. And and the glue is so much more than glue. It's a you know, uh, it is it's a rich, uh, nourishing diet for everybody. The oxytocin. 
it, it also puts me in mind of um, the research that Barbara Fredrickson has done in the US around love and the neuroscience of love. So I don't know whether anyone in the um, listenership will have read Love 2.0, but the way that she sets out the research that they have done is to reframe the, co the concept, the notion of love. She says it's not the romantic construct that we believe it to be, but love takes place every time we have a micro moment of connection with somebody else and that you get this oxytocin boost which goes on to um, tone the vagus nerve and actually boost then then immunity and so when I was reading her about her work it struck so many chords with me and I realized for myself that actually these micro moments of connection are what underpin engagement with one another, but also with our with the work that we do. And I think with that in mind, um, Claire, this notion of conversation um, and this specialism of communication, you know, how how do internal communicators retain confidence in the criticality of their skill set given the role of communication in, in building oxytocin at work. I mean, I'm guessing, I'm just, I'm just thinking out loud, but conversation, the act of building relationship with one another through our spoken words and through uh, these connections, you know, it, it it, it kind of it transcends we've talked a lot in these in these podcast episodes about how internal communication is so much more than crafted messages or words on a on a digital communication channel it, it really is the embodiment of how we connect with one another to create goodwill mutuality shared understanding shared experience what you've described in this session today really to me at a molecular level underpins how we how we come together in community to to create and deliver great things so there's a piece isn't there around internal communication how we communicate with one another what what that what that does at a molecular chemical level and 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 how that is literally the critical glue. What did you say? What did Don just say? He said something profound that we will need to record um, for posterity. I think it's about to be a corporate resource. Oxytocin is a corporate resource and we should yes, maximise it and marshal it. Yeah, so powerful. Yeah. So I think... Um, in response to that, there's there's this hotline from how how we are, how we show up, um, and you can practice all kinds of influencing techniques that go from the outside in, and then we try to, you know, and, and it's sometimes great to sort of learn a few techniques and and so on, but actually going right to the root of um, 
being able to show up with oxy available oxytocin means that we're not in high cortisol. We're not in reaction. Um, we're not feeling, we might feel a little bit of anxiety and fear, but we know about it and we're able to soothe that or bring that and hold that and, and at the same time be able to create these relationships where people are, where we're in dialogue. And in my experience and, and you know, where we, where we come to, where we come from when we train people who are, you know, leading, people who are coaching, people who are, um, you know, wanting to be the 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 holders of the community of, of, of oxytocin and um, the curators of people's experience in a way uh, through oxytocin. We need to be fit. The thing is we need to be sort of physically, mentally and emotionally fit. It kind of doesn't work just to do, okay, well I'll do I'll do I'll sit quietly the day before and just think about this and then it'll all be okay. Because if you're internal system is is not particularly fit then you're going to be likely come the first stressor to change state and go back into that what I was talking about earlier that chaotic state so this is really physiology in action how do I be resilient and create an enduring practice in my life so my overall diet of movement and emotional fitness and mental fitness activities is really good so I can continually show up to influence in the best way possible. And well, you know, one thing which you've just said, uh, Kat, which I want to pick up on is if we're talking about emotional fitness, it's really important to understand that um, emotions are neuropeptides, are chemicals. And the thing about um, the thing about human beings is that uh, because those chemicals sort of race through our bodies and brains when we're feeling emotions and they we all know it they, there's a sort of feeling that sometimes they get stuck in the body or we're continuing to repeatedly feel a certain emotion this is because the chemistry of emotion hasn't been flushed out through the body you might have done all sorts of mental practices to try to process something but in fact the body is still remembering and you're stuck in a kind of somatic experience of the, the chemistry of a moment in time that won't leave you. And it keeps playing out when other things that you, that look like that situation come in. So that's where uh, the, these neuropeptides get stuck into uh, receptor sites in our cells. So this is a cell. This is a neuropeptide. Oh, sorry, I was doing a this is we're only on audio. So Imagine a, a cell, a little receptor gateway in the cell, and the neuropeptide gets stuck in the gateway, like you've put the wrong key in a lock. And you got it in because it was close enough, but you can't get the key out again. It's stuck. And this is exactly what's happening with some with these neuropeptides, the chemistry of, of emotion, negative emotion gets stuck in our bodies, and we need movement to flush it out. Simple as that. Then it goes into the lymph system, drains away. So our emotional fitness reply, re relies on our movement. Okay, so movement, flexible movement, running out there, you know, yoga, whatever it is that you do. And also simple movement during the day, just moving, just stretching, keeping an eye on your on your body and where things are getting stuck. And why does why do we need that as communicators, as influencers, as communication specialists? 
Well, because when we're really communicating and, and creating dialogue and influencing others, we're in our best state. You know, we're in our, a state where we can handle differences and be able to negotiate and work through different conflicting agendas and so on. That's right, isn't it? Somebody, somebody that can really accommodate um, quite a lot of views without reacting or going into battle or pushing someone away. This is critical. Um, and this is, you know, this is all about how a human being works. And there's so much that goes on under the skin that we don't really understand. And you can come and come and work with us. Think about, um, you know, whether you'd like to spend five or six hours a week uh, for a three month period working on and learning all the different aspects of what go, goes on under the skin, um, including all the pulls at work, including work on the vagus nerve and and um, and all many of the things that we've been talking about today and so many more. Uh, so that's on offer. We train and support leaders to come and do our online course and our um, uh, and we work we closely with coaches. So the so anyone that's in a coaching or developing role, as many internal communication specialists, many of you will be, you know, helping leaders and people to communicate at their best. Then this could be well, it could be a real game changer to really know what you're doing with your body and how to support others work with their physiology too. Mm. Claire, this has been such a fascinating conversation. As I, as I take the helm of, of, of bringing us into land, which I think is going to be our catchphrase that we've said on every episode of this series. But for me, what we've done here, what you've, you've demonstrated here is that link between the scientific evidence and the art of our skill set actually driving towards that as what Dom said that corporate resource I think when we for me what it shows is as, as, as our listeners we're thinking about ourselves as our internal communicators we need to take care of our physical our emotional we need to be grounded we need to be centered we need to enable those to not let that cortisol take over particularly when we're dealing with trying to evoke so much change within our organizations but also trying to step up to this new plate that's being put in front of us that we're suddenly there to sort of influence and make change and be all those sorts of things so we need to really look after ourselves to manage our cortisol levels which enables us to be at our best when we're thinking about enabling oxytocin as that corporate resource to be able to have those difficult conversations to be that person that can truly listen that can truly tune in and i think that the more this just shows to me is strength and flexibility and building all those things to our building and focusing on ourselves. So if we're better as individuals, we're going to be better as a collective. But for me, the importance of, of actually the science in our bodies is something we need to really understand better to enable us to do better work in our organizations, but also just to take care of ourselves. Because as I say to many of my friends, you're one person and you're precious. So take care of yourself because that's that's where, where that's where the goodness begins from. So Claire, thank you so much um, for that time. I'm good. I've got loads of notes and I'm now going to go away and, and do more to really understand the human body and, and how we can I can going to go and work out now I'm going to go for a walk because my movement is really important so thank you so much Claire for all of your time and to my cohorts and hopefully we'll, we'll all tune in to the next episode thanks Jen thanks so much for listening today this episode has been brought to you by the Institute of Internal Communication and was hosted by myself Jen Sproul, Kat Barnard and Dominic Walters this episode was produced by Jessica Williams and Shabit Luogonpalu. 
And if you've enjoyed this episode today, we'd be enormously grateful if you could rate, review, and subscribe on the channel you choose to tune in. It really helps others to know that we're here. We'll tune in and hopefully see you next time.